This is this is fine. 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 This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions like, is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the fuck am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Hey, babes, my beautiful angels. Welcome back. Or if this is your first episode here, welcome. Bienvenue. American listeners and les auditeurs français, we are so excited to have you here for an action-packed, full-send, unfiltered episode with the one and only American fee, Amanda Rollins, my Paris bestie and wife, president of the Paris Pickpocket Police, cat mom, typology skincare influencer, and recently added member of the One Million Club on TikTok. Fun fact, Paris Hilton followed her on TikTok last week. I'm only a little jealous, it's fine. If you haven't heard episode 31, first of all, go back and do that. I interviewed Amanda alongside Morgan Heiser about their experience as Americans living in Paris. In the span of that hour-long episode and our conversation that continued off mic right afterward, these girls convinced me to move to Paris, offered me their homes while I found housing, and introduced me to all of their friends. I stayed on Amanda's couch for almost two weeks while I apartment hunted. She set up my bank account and French phone number, Daddy Energy. She helped me get selected for my apartment that I am recording from now and essentially laid out all of my new life here. She is one of the most selfless, generous, golden-hearted human beings I have ever come across. And on a personal level, I'm so grateful to have her here on this episode today. If you don't already know and love her, you are certainly about to. Amanda has had a pretty incredible journey from growing up outside of Boston to creating her own path here in Paris, and she is still just as obsessed with the city today as she was the first time she laid eyes on the Eiffel Tower. We're going to get her personal story, her experience here in Paris, how she's making a living on TikTok, how she deals with haters online, her doing it live approach to content, her love for otakos, and so much more. Before we get into today's episode, please take a second to subscribe, tap the five star button, and leave us some love if you haven't already. These tiny actions on your part are huge for us. They help us grow and create more content for beautiful listeners just like you. All right, enough of the shameless plug. It is interview time. Strap in, buckle up. We are about to have some fun. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. You're in between Chamonix and Cuba. And we're not even a week after your 1 million milestone on TikTok. So thank you for squeezing us into a crazy week. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Anything for you. Oh, thanks. My wife. My wife. (laughs) So as you know, we start out our episodes since you've been on an episode. We do our little check-in. Is this fine? Are you fine? Is everything fine? Yeah, yeah, fine. (laughs) Thanks for It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> it's all fine. For sure. For sure. For sure. For yeah. sure. Okay. Well, like, let's fucking go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So um, today's topic is one of my favorites. It's all about you and your life. My also favorite topic. <laughs> Ironically, also my favorite topic. My favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Me. Are you ready to give a little TED Talk on the Amanda Rollins journey? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. You talked a little bit about this in your episode with Morgan, the episode that literally brought us here together, yeah, started yeah. our friendship, but let's like wind it back. And I think now we get the opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into your story. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about American Fee. And she went from Boston to Paris 
and I want to say it started in sixth grade for you, right? Like your, yeah. your Francophile journey. What was it that made you decide, I'm going to start learning French? Did you have like this pull to French culture or language? No, I didn't know anything. Like I truly didn't know anything about the rest of the world, like at that age, but also just like our schooling. Like I wasn't, I just knew Europe existed. Um, and <laughs> we sure. had to pick Spanish or French. And cool. first of all, it didn't even occur to me like Spanish, Spain. It occurred to me like South America, Puerto Rico. Yeah. And because I'm from Massachusetts on the East Coast, we have so many Spanish speakers. Like speaking Spanish is not a hot t- hot commodity in the U.S. It's it's super not. Like everyone speaks Spanish, mm-hmm. and I have just always wanted to be different mm-hmm. and cool. So I was like, I'm going to choose French because again, I was not thinking of Spain. I was 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of France, and I was like, that's in Europe. That sounds cool. It sounds <laughs> exotic. Like I right. just I, something in my body said like they're cooler than us. Like that's what I thought. So <laughs> you I was like, wrong. I want to be you were like. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, they, they're so much cooler than they're us. They're so cool. So I chose French because I I wanted to have, like, this skill that not everyone has. And, like, I wasn't even thinking about usability because TBH, like, luckily it worked out for me. But, like, probably would have been a lot more useful to actually learn Spanish had I stayed in the U.S. But, like, that one decision clearly has led me to here. So exactly butterfly effect, you know? Yeah. It also just reminded me, like, how much we do have in common, actually, because in high school when you had to pick a language. uh, You're from California. I'm from San Diego. It's it's basically Spain. I'm from northern Mexico. (laughs) It's basically northern Mexico. You come literally northern Mexico. Literally, like half of our student body was Mexican. Like, I. But like, what's the appeal in doing something everyone else is doing? I could just learn it from someone else, right? So I was like, ooh, exotic. And then like, obviously, didn't use it for so long. Still kicking myself. But anyway, today's episode's not about me or French, but (laughs) (laughs) my French journey. Um, So you started learning in the sixth grade, as we talked about. You wanted to be different, and you kept learning French all the way through high school. You became the French club president. Yes. Honestly, so Virgo rising slay. <laughs> no, literally, like, I should talk about that more when I meet French people. Like, yeah, I think that I, should be your flex. I don't think they would care, but, like, it, it's, like I was the president. I think you should put it in your Instagram bio. Just no, in the, my Hinge bio. Greenfield High School French <laughs> Club president in, like, 2008 or, like, whatever year no, it was. That's so true. I should. I don't know no, why like, I talk, don't talk about this more. I'm going to start telling. Put I it, like, get very me. seriously, like, a Forbes 30 under 30, but yours is, like, the French Club no, president like, from your high school. I should get myself, school. like, a hat that says, like, French Club president. <gasps> Could I wear that even though I was not French yeah, president? Yeah, of course. When I meet Macron, this will be the first thing I tell him. Oh my God. He's so, French president. You're so French big, club like, president. There was an election, bro. I won. Like, it was so serious. Yeah. You're basically Macron, but blonde. Basically, yeah. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't initially, like, captivated by Paris. Between choosing learning French and where you are now, like, what was it that got you into culture? Was it you just kept along your, like, well, like educational my French, journey? I always had really, really great French teachers, and they would teach us a lot about culture. Like, it wasn't just the language. And just the more I learned about it, it just sounded so cool. Like, I don't know, everything about it was really interesting to me. Like, the food, like, the mannerisms, like, like names, just everything. And French class was just my favorite subject. Like, we had so much fun in that class, and mm-hmm. just, I loved speaking a second language. Like, it's a very fun skill to use. And yeah, the more and more I learned about it, it was like, oh, I want to go to France one day. I never thought I'd be able to go to France. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Paris is Paris. Like it's the one, like I, it's, uh, people always ask me like, why Paris? I'm like, it's not like a, it's a feeling that I can't describe. Exactly. I just wanted to be here. It's the hardest question. I obviously get it all the time too. Like why Paris? Like what made you choose Paris? You can't. I'm like, it's Paris. Like you, you can't know pinpoint the it. Yeah. I'm like Paris. <laughs> I just like gesture broadly. Like have you ever, <laughs> if you know anything about Paris, you know the answer. It's very clear. Like exactly. it's Paris. It's something like you get here and you just feel it. I cannot pinpoint yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, It's, I mean, it's the most beautiful place in the world. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else like it. It's the hub of, like, it's it's like girl center. It's the girly things. <laughs> we've got fashion. We've got beauty. We've got art. We've got hot yes. babes. We've got hot dudes. Like, yeah. it's, it's romantic. It's beautiful. Coquette aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, and like, so rich in history. Like, it's just, it's like a hot girl place. It, it really just is. is. It, 
Paris really is that girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so on that note of you getting here and getting to Paris, um, your story about not being able to study abroad the way you wanted to is something that really touched me recently, especially because this came up as you were helping someone live that dream, yeah. help someone who is in your shoes finally be able to come to Paris. Can we talk about both your experience and then the experience that you helped someone yeah, else with? Yeah, so when I was choosing colleges, I only chose schools that have a study abroad program because I was like non-negotiable, I'm going to France. So my sophomore year, I did all the process. Like I literally was enrolled in classes in Grenoble and I was supposed to come. And then I sat down with the woman and look in retrospect, this woman fucking sucked because yeah. she like was not encouraging me at all. And she did like, I'm kind of like a, we can make anything happen type of person. Totally. And she was, she was, she was, kind of, I wonder if she was French. She was kind of like, the, <laughs> like, it's not going to be possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I'm like, in, like a young kid with no, like I have yeah. no support for my family. There's no like grown ups to help me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man, like it's not possible. <laughs> it was like the lady said so, you yeah. know, like if I, I probably could have made it work, but she was like, literally, I remember sitting in her office and she was like, you know, like, where are you at, like, financially? And I was like, no money. Like, You're I was like, like, LOL, what do you mean? I was like, is there, like, housing there? She's like, yeah, you'll have housing. But she's like, you're going to have to, like, buy all your stuff again. Like, they're not going to have sheets for you. You're going to have to buy resheets, like, new sheets. You're going to have to rebuy this, rebuy that. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. She's like, yeah, you can't come to Paris with, like, all your stuff, or France with all your stuff. Like, you can only bring, like, one or two suitcases. And I remember she said to me, and she's like, also, like, who's going to help you carry your bags up the stairs? Like, they don't have elevators over there. And what? I, she, no, this bitch was the worst, actually. Like, I'm going to oh find God. her name and, like, write her a letter. Also, like, student housing doesn't have bed linens? I don't know. Like, she was just saying, like, I, I honestly feel like she was, like, getting joy out of, like, disqualifying me. Do you know what I mean? She might have been. She was like, you're not going to be able to afford it. Because I was like, you know, I, I uh, like, truly didn't have much money. And I was like, we'll figure it out. But then she kind of, like, she was like, you know, you have your bills here that you still have to pay, which is a real thing. And then also, like, your living expenses there. Because even in France, if they have housing, it's, like, student housing. But you still have to pay a little something. She was just explaining all this. And I was like, there's no way I can afford that. Because at this time, I still had credit cards, I had student loan payments, I had like XYZ things that like I was still keeping up and like I maybe looking back I could have like asked my credit card company to like let me chill for a few months. But, but how would you have known that? I, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I was just like, oh shit, I can't go. So you were like, like what, 18, 19? Uh, I was like 18 and a half, I think or yeah, something. So exactly. I like unenrolled, which was so upsetting for me. That's and, like, that devastating. Sucked. Yeah. Like such a heartbreak. Like when you told me that story, it like, it broke my heart. Yeah, but you know what? Like, also, like, it was such a scary thing to, like, leave. And so, in a way, I was like, all right, well, at least I, get, I was in a sorority. I get to, like, stay. And mm-hmm. I was on the track team. And then I'd switch to a French minor with a marketing major because I was also, I was like, if I'm a French major, my only options are to teach and I don't want to be a teacher. That's obviously dumb. I could have done a lot more than that. But again, like, you, you know, retrospect. You live and you learn. So, yeah, but, like, not being able to go was a bummer. But it's not that big of a bummer because I made it here now. So, it's, exactly. like, I'm not bummed about it at all. But at the time, I was sad. Yeah. So when I did my contest, I basically, you do it was the hardest thing because there was like 12, no, there was like 2,000 applicants or something. So rewinding it back a little bit, Amanda did a contest on her TikTok. I don't know if we can call it a contest legally. I don't know. But it was it was sort a of giveaway, like, like, yeah, it's a giveaway. Yeah, 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 exactly. So Amanda did a giveaway where she was like, I'm going to bring someone out here to Paris. I'm going to buy your flight. And yeah. she ended up doing two. <laughs> I ended up doing two because, so I'm going to be real, like reading through all those comments, that's yeah. not fun. That's so, so many comments. Of course. So like, I was really zeroing in on the ones that left multiple comments to like, cause they had like a really big story. Cause some people were like, I just always wanted to go to Paris. And I'm like, okay, no offense, but like everyone wants to go there. Like you got to sell me on it, you know? Yeah. So I chose one girl, her name's Sandra and she's just 
so cool. And she was like, you know, my mom, she's like, I'm a, I'm a first generation immigrant or is that what you call it? What like she's yeah, first gen American? First, yeah, first generation American. She's like, my mom sacrificed so much for me. And so like it's been tough growing up. And like I've always wanted to take my mom to Paris. And then turns out after I spoke to her, she manifested this. She literally like wrote out, she's like, I'm gonna take my mom to Paris this year. And I was like, girl, you manifested me. And as someone who manifests a lot, I'm like, I've never been manifested. Actually, that's not true. People in Paris who I've run into on the street were like, I yeah. manifested meeting into you. I'm, I love, man, I guys, think I manifested Manifest you. me, guys. I'm, I'm so down to be manifested. It makes me so, like. <laughs> manifest me harder, daddy. <laughs> like, I just walk into a room and there's someone waiting for me. And they're like, I called you with the stars. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so yeah, great. like literally. But then, so I had this other girl and her thing was like, I was supposed to study abroad. I literally can't afford it. And I was like, you're me. That's mm-hmm. me. So I was like, I'm legally obligated to choose you also. And money's <laughs> not real, you know, anyways, like For credit sure. cards and we'll, pixels on a screen. No, we'll, literally, it's, we'll figure it out, you yeah. know? So I did two winners because that's just fun. It's yeah. just really fun to do that. Yeah. Incredible. So you have made two people's, three people, including the mom, yeah. dream come true. Yeah, I'm so excited. When so is that cool. happening? The first girl, Avery, who's studying abroad, I think she's set to arrive like late March. Okay. Neither of, like, she like, I think she's like super appreciative, but like she, I don't. I think she's just like off to go to school. She doesn't want to like hang out with me. That's fine. That's fine. And then are like, wait, I thought we were roommates. Like, I know, I know. I keep messaging them, being like, you want to like chat? And they're Do you like, want to go to dinner? Like, like, not getting back to me. I'm like, it's cool. But Samja and her mom are coming in May, I think. Okay, um, for that's like, a perfect time. Yeah, it's the best time to come. So, so yeah, yeah we'll we'll see them when they get here. Oh my here. gosh, I cannot wait for picnic season and spring. Oh my god, me too. <gasps> oh. I need the sun. It's so, for those of you listening who are not here in Paris, it is cloudy and cold and... It's just like frigid. It's just like not the vibe. Yeah, it's not good times over here. (laughs) Okay, but rewinding it back to happy memories of Paris as well. Let's talk about the first time you got here, your first visit to Paris. What year was it? What were you up to? How did you get here? What were you thinking? Uh, It was 2016 in January. I came by myself and it was right after the terrorist attack in November. So like Mm -hmm. Paris was a weird vibe at Mm -hmm. that time. And it was freezing cold and there weren't a lot of tourists because a lot of people probably like canceled the trips and also January, January. Is not like a hot month. <laughs> so it was pretty empty actually which was nice because every monument I went to it was like dead quiet and like I was on a weekday as well so like it was pretty open it was yeah like the I, I arrived the first thing I did was go to my hostel drop my stuff and go directly to the Eiffel Tower and when I saw it that I took the line nine I think mm-hmm. it's I want to the six goes above ground but I don't think I was on the six I'm almost certain yeah, I was on the nine and it goes I got to but I didn't get off a Trocadero. I got off like almost by like before yeah. I can picture like, it in my Yeda? head. <laughs> no, there's like a cultural center right at the stop. Oh. Like it's further than the Eiffel Tower. It's a bit like Oh, past it. I don't know that. Yeah, it's it's not Bir Hakim, but it's one of them. Whatever. Like that's too far for me. <laughs> right. But so I wasn't anticipating seeing it on the train. I thought that I would like get off the metro. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden our train blows by and I see it lit up and I I had like a fucking panic attack. Like I was because like I wasn't ready for it. And it's yeah. so much bigger. Guys, it's so much bigger than you think. It's kind of scary. Like, like it's <laughs> overwhelming how big it is. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So I I get off the train and I start sprinting. Like, I looked crazy. I was sprinting and I was hysterically crying. And then as I was running, I passed bunnies. And it was just bunnies sitting on, like, a ledge, unattended, like, four of them. So I'm sitting there. There's a video of me. I'm, like, hysterically crying. And I'm, like, I'm at the Eiffel Tower and there's bunnies. There's bunnies. Like, who's in charge of you guys? But they were (laughs) sitting on, like, food and money. So, like, obviously some person, like, and I've seen the bunnies before. Like, some guy comes out and he's, like, yo, pet my bunnies. But you just, like, left them. (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Some guy comes out and he's, like, yo, pet my bunnies. No, dude, there's people do the weirdest shit for money in Paris. Have you not seen this? And there's the lady with the cat. And, like, but, like, if you pet the cat, you have to give money. It's, like, a whole thing. I haven't seen that. I've only seen the the cat on the guy's shoulder at Sakakuka. Yeah, no, there's all kinds of people just like put, like peddling their animals, and and I was like, I who's do that in- with Stella. <laughs> I, when I was really poor as an au pair, I thought about doing that with Titus, 
Um, so, Never but I was like, oh my, I was really distracted by the bunnies. Yeah. And then I like made it to the Eiffel Tower and just like cried and like whatever. So it was just the happiest trip of my life, like yeah. fully on my own, but just, it was so much fun. It had taken like most of your life to get to that point And you were thinking about it for so long. Yeah. I was 26 the first time I went to Paris. Yeah. Was, and you started yeah. learning French when you were 12. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was like such a moment. I was so excited. It is such a special thing. And like, obviously I had sort of a similar experience the first time I got here. There are no words that you can put into it. Yeah. It's just tears. <laughs> well, because most skills, you get to use them in, like, like if you train to play the violin, you get to play the violin. Mm-hmm. And then go, if you want to perform, you can perform. If you dance, you can literally dance and then go do the dance thing. Do a dance recital, but yeah. like, learning a language mm-hmm. is really, you only get that, like, feeling of, like, completion moment when you go to that country and use mm-hmm. it. And so I would, like, do the clearance version, no offense, but do the fake version of going to Canada all the time to practice my French. No offense. No, no, but like, I'm not saying Canada and like, yeah. I'm not saying their French isn't valid. But it you went is, to Montreal. I went to Montreal. It's, it's, it's a slightly different type of French. Quebecois is like very different. It's, it's different, but yeah. additionally, like they all literally speak English. So like, like if you're, if I'm trying to speak French, like they're, they're going to switch to English immediately, but yeah. their French is slightly different. And like, it's not, I learned French French. I didn't learn Quebecois French. So yeah. you don't get that moment. It's like one of the only skills where you don't get that moment until you physically go to that country to use it. Every other skill you can have, you can use it yeah. pretty quick. <laughs> so like, yeah, it was a really cool moment, yeah. especially because that was like my favorite skill to have. So you got there. It's 2016. You're having this emotional, not overwhelm, but you know, this overwhelming emotional moment where you immediately like, all right, well, I'm going to live here now. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to, but it's just... I was like, oh, but like you couldn't, like you couldn't, like right. money. I'm like, let's be real, you won't. And like mm-hmm. you, I have all these things tied up at home. But it like planted the seed. And so then when I started doing is just kind of like casually being like, what if? So I started building out my Google Chrome bookmarks, just kind of like. <laughs> Virgo rising. <laughs> for real. So I was just kind of started being like, okay, like if I wanted to go, what does that process look like? Mm-hmm. Who has moved before? Like following people who've done it. Like what what is even a visa? How do you do? Like just kind of <laughs> building it visa? out. What is visa? Right. And like I would go through these little moments where I'd have slight bursts of energy being like, you know, like a like I always say like I start a lot of projects, but like I usually finish them. It just takes me a very long time. Mm-hmm. So then I'd have these bursts of moments being like, okay, like let's revisit that idea. But then I'd be like, no, no, you can't, you can't, right? And then like the closer, like the more serious I got, I was like, all right, let's list out like what would you need to live there? Like, mm-hmm. what do you have in the U.S. that you would literally need to have there? Like, and I would, li- like, anything from, like, financial security, a place to live, like, the medicines that I'm on, I need those over here. My mm-hmm. fucking cat, how am I going to get him over there? Like, all these, list them out. And then over time, I found answers to each of them. And then, as you know, as everyone knows, I read The Alchemist, and that mm-hmm. was it. You read that book, and I was like, oh, we're going. I literally made my account on Au Pair World that night. Because also, by this time, I figured out... I, this is what happens when you do your research on your own. I thought my best option was being an au pair. I literally probably could have worked remotely with my U.S. company and done the um, long stay visitor visa. Uh, but I like my process worked out perfect because I got yeah. to live with an au pair, like with a French family, whatever. So I had all the like I had like the the kill switch ready, like the like I had all my stuff lined up when I'm ready to press go. Yeah. So after I read the Alchemist, I like that day. It was showtime. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's ready, it's time. So I made my account on AuPairWorld.com on like a Friday set up multiple interviews with families like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then signed my contract that Friday. Holy shit. It was so fast. Holy shit. So then it was like, this all happened in June. And so I told my company like that week and I was like, I'm leaving. They were so supportive. And I I began like the process. I mean, I made my embassy appointment, started selling all my stuff. And then I left August 27th to come to Paris. That's amazing. Like super fast. Yeah. Like lightning. I mean, it's funny because when we got off the phone, like if anyone heard the original episode, and if you haven't, go do that right now. That's the thing that you told me. And I can't remember if it was on the episode or you told me afterward. You were like, go read The Alchemist right now. Yeah, and I downloaded yeah, yeah. it. 
Oh, you did it right after? I did it right after. And it's so, dude. I read it, and the next day I booked the, the appointment. That book is so, it's going to do something to you. Like, if there's really anything does. that you're holding back, whether mm-hmm. it's, like, breaking up with that guy that you need to break up with, mm-hmm. quitting that job that you hate, moving to that country, like, whatever I support it is, everything you just said, that, all of those things. <laughs> right? And that book will, like, because you know, you know the thing, like, gun to your head, what things should you be doing that you know you're not doing? Everyone has one. Yep. That book will make you do it. That is, like, the push toward, like, making the leap. Yeah. Like, if you're on, like, the edge of that cliff, which is, like, a weird thing. to I always think about this because I jumped off a cliff in Hawaii, and it was so, so, so scary. Like, the anticipation part was the mm-hmm. worst part. But then once you, like, get that push, you're flying. Like, yeah. it, it's amazing. But it's the, it's the lead up, and you need that push. And I think The Alchemist really is, like, that big shove. Because it, it really dials in on, like, you're going to have life regret if you don't do this. Totally. And it, it, like, reiterates the fact that, like, you're not really risking that much by making it because the thing that you love or the, your security will still be there. Mm-hmm. Like, we live in a, like, you, it's not gone forever. You right. can come back. And you know if you don't do it, it's going to keep nagging you until it disappears. And then you'll just live a life of regret being like, yep. I was going to do that one day. Yeah. And also just like the validation of no one who's ever done something like that has ever regretted it in the history of the fucking world. So Literally true. find me one person who moved to a different country and was like, I regret that. I, yeah. can't, they, I regret having this experience. It does not exist. It yeah. does not exist. Also, this might be a half-baked hot take, but <laughs> I think security is an illusion. I think that we're oh, all it seeking absolutely security. Is. We, but it's funny because we crave it, but it yes. literally does not exist. It's Even not marriage, real. no one is guaranteed to stick with you forever. Nothing, security does not. I'm sure you've seen or heard of like the very famous speech that Jim Carrey gave at, I think it was like a Stanford graduation or mm-hmm. something. And he said, my dad was an accountant. My dad took the safe route. He had a corporate job with like a nice 401k, blah, blah, blah. And then he got fired yeah. late in his career. And so he was like, I watched my dad do the safe thing and mm-hmm. still it didn't work. So I decided, well, if it's if the the, if that <laughs> risk is there regardless, I'm going to do the fun thing. Yep. And so, like, yeah, same. I love him. That I is, love he's, he's the best. Such a good point, too. Like, we rely so much on this false illusion of security instead of pursuing something great mm-hmm. because it's scary or risky. It's like you were just saying, nothing is insured, nothing is guaranteed, nothing is permanent. Yep. Just go for it. Yeah. And, like, life is worth living. Or life is living. Life is for living. Life is for living. <laughs> life is for living. Full send. <laughs> no, really. No, really. Okay, so you made it to Paris in 2017. Yes. You were au pair. The oldest au pair in France. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) Oldest au pair in France. Then you were a marketer. Then you were a full-time content creator. Now... No, I was was head of global sales and name. Oh, I'm so sorry. You were au pair, then you were head of global sales at... I I worked at 360 Learning, basically. So I was a Mm -hmm. sales professional for a year, like for six years in Boston, and like a sales sales leader, sales trainer. I I was like leading trainings and stuff. So I worked at a French tech company that does language. And basically, I was writing about sales enablement. So all uh, the all the trainings I had already given. So I was technically on the marketing team, but I was writing right. about sales. Okay. So like it was like very, like it was a sales adjacent role. And then I moved to a different tech company in Paris, AB Tasty. And I was there for three years as head of sales enablement. Okay. Um, basically just like leading sales trainings for the entire sales org. And then I very brief, briefly was at this other company, also head of global sales enablement, doing sales trainings and stuff. Okay. And then I went full-time with content November 22, 2022. Okay. So you were, you went through a layoff and you were like, okay, this sucks. But oh, I, I like, didn't think it sucked. I was excited. Oh, was it Morgan? I don't know. I was excited when Morgan got laid off too. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think she said you manifested. I did because I was like, it'd be so dope if you lost your job too. And then she did, and I was like, whoops, oopsie, no regrets. Okay, so you got laid off. Morgan got laid off, and you decided like this is like this is the time. I'm going to be a full time content creator, and now you're making a living like being yourself. Yeah, no, it's so much fun. So <laughs> when I left AB Tasty, I loved that company. It's like family. I love them. I love everything about that company. It's the best place I've ever worked. But I was so 
bored. I can't, first of all, I can't do the same thing every day. No. I can't give the oh same training every day. Because also, you have to, per- like, care. And I can't care that long. Like, I, I, I gave up caring. <laughs> like, I gave the same fucking training multiple times a month for three years. Yeah. And, like, I, like, I was like, I'm, can't, I can't do it I would anymore. be so miserable. I'm sorry. So then I left to go to this other company. And it's a really cool company, but it was all remote. Which, I do like remote work, but, like... If I'm doing a job that I'm not passionate about, I need to be policed because I can't be trusted because I don't like my job. <laughs> Turns out when I like what I'm doing, I'm great. Do you know what I mean? Right, of course. And they gave me an outrageous salary. Like mm-hmm. the sa- I was like, are you, honestly, the signs were there. I was like, are you guys like, like the- when I got my offer, I was like, dope. But like, are you sure? Because like, do you guys have the funding? For real. Like I was like, I mean, I appreciate it. So I was making a ton of money, but I only worked there for six months. And then, like, you know, that company was just spending money. Like, yeah. like they had it and they didn't. They were like, like money's not real. <laughs> for real. Like, we did we did a company-wide retreat and they spent $2 million on it. The whole what? company was in private villas in the south of Portugal. Like, and I was like, this, again, dope, but, like, are you guys... Are you be, okay? Should you be doing this, right? <laughs> so, Clearly anyways, no. when they laid me off, I was kind of like... I was like, dude, when I went, went into the meeting, like, all my bosses were, like, so somber. And I was like, just so you go, like, just so you guys know, like, I'm okay. And, like, I totally understand why this had to happen. Like, this can be a happy call. And they're like, oh, thank God, because they've been firing people all day. But I, oh, yeah. when you get the email, like, guys were laying off people, and then you get, like, a calendar invite. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, <laughs> not a surprise. like, Amanda, like, this isn't going to be a happy meeting. And I was like, oh, guys, I already know I'm being fired. Don't even worry, guys. Like, Don't it's stress. totally cool. I was <laughs> yeah. not sad at all. And I was like, okay, because I had a cool job with a higher salary. And I was like, guess what? Guess, guys, I... I need you to understand this. Everyone who says more money won't make you happy. It's true. And that sounds like such a douchebag thing to say because money provides so many opportunities and I don't deny that. But when you have it, then you're kind of like, now what? And if you're unfulfilled, you're still going to be, you're just going to be, you're just going to be unfulfilled in nicer clothing. Like it's not. (laughs) So I'm not saying money doesn't have value, but I was like, okay, yeah, I could go interview at another company for a cool salary, but I'm going to be miserable. And like, I don't, if you're, if you're spending eight hours of your day wanting to die, that's not, it's like that eats away at you. That's destructive. (laughs) Right. So when that happened, I I think it was Morgan, we were chatting and Morgan Mm -hmm. was the one who was like, I think this is, I think she should just go for it. You should just like really Mm -hmm. go for it. Cause I had always been dicking around in my apartment, making content in between (laughs) meetings when I'm supposed to be doing work or something. Zero percent surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But so then she was like, you should like really go for it. And I was like, all right, so I'll like wake up at 8am and be like, I'm filming all day. I've never Mm -hmm. done that before. Just pretend this is my job. And when I got Morgan fired via my powers <laughs> she would like come with me and film and we would like go out and intentionally film stuff right so we did that video in front of the fucking Louvre yeah. where I was like the five most common scams in Paris fucking 35 million views baby that video yeah, paid me like 12,000 euros wild so and wild. that was me and Morgan with like just, and I had and I filmed that on around. Android and you can tell that that was an Android <laughs> video it's just Morgan holding the we did we did two takes dude just yeah. her holding the camera me talking boom 12 grand because turns out even though I talk about Paris all the time when they see me in Paris it does more Interesting. I know it's a shame because I love filming in my house, but like when yeah. I go out in front of something, it works way better. It's a good tip. But like, so then I was like, all right, I'm going to go full time with this. And I was obviously terrified. So I was like offering my consultations, offering my tours, booking. I would book, I was so dumb. I booked like 10 tours a week one time. <laughs> so I was like, I might not have money. And then turns out I can make money from this. So that fear is now gone. Thank okay. God. But long story short, I had a very strong baseline. Like I didn't just like go full time with content with six followers. I had like 550,000 when I did this. So I also was like, things are going well and I can keep going well. And it all just worked out. And I have not once looked back and bro, I would literally, you would not, you can't pay me to be in a corporate job ever again. Totally. No way. So you started your full-time content creation when you were at at over half a million or about half a million Yeah, because I I started with TikTok in 2020 during confinement. And so when I, when I was laid off, I was already, it was, I was growing consistently for three years. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I mean, it's working and this is me half trying. So what if I full try? Yeah. Half trying got you to half a million. Yeah. 
That's insane. I had like three brand deals at that point. Wow. Like I hadn't even signed on with Typology at that point. Okay. I was like winging it. I was taking deals for 300 bucks. Like, oh, the poor, the poor girl. She didn't know better. (laughs) I must have, I think I met you like obviously on the internet, like two months after you got laid off. So this was like right around that time. Yeah, because we chatted in January and I was laid off in uh, November. November. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So I I caught you right around that like half million mark. And I was like, damn, she's been like hustling on TikTok for a while. I assumed you had been doing it full time for way longer. No, no. I was, I mean, but like. I really, I mean, I I've been, I post between three and five times a day, every day, even yeah. if I have work. <laughs> so because I'm because I because you know, you've seen me film. Mm-hmm. I'm quick. I pick up my phone. I say something. Sometimes yeah. I don't even watch it, and I just press click. You're not like you don't have an editorial calendar. Nope. You don't have like a seasonal content strategy. Nope. Like so many people put so much into it, and you're just like we're doing it live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, roll the clip. Like, <laughs> like I like okay. I'm like I, there's certain videos that I do need that require some editing, and for sure, when I do have when I have like six videos that are ready to post, I am slightly strategic where I'll be like. I'll post this one, then I'll hit like I'll hit them with a this or like mm-hmm. I'll kind of be like I'm gonna post this one Monday, this one Tuesday, knowing that in between Monday, Monday and Tuesday, I'm gonna do some of my on the fly ones as well. For sure. And as things come up in my life, I'm gonna post about them. But then I still throw in the ones that I had planned to post. Yeah. So it's like a mix of like intentional and then whatever comes up. But you don't have like an Excel spreadsheet that's like okay, this is the seasonal content that we're no, working. No. Yeah. I mean, I know this personally, but yeah. just to, to clarify for everyone yeah. else, like it's not that it's thoughtless but you're not overthinking it yeah but that's why I say to people like if you want to be a content creator that's great but I would advise you to only do this if it comes as natural as breathing to you because if it doesn't it's going to be an uphill battle and you're if you're too focused on the numbers and if you're diving so deep into your strategy and you're like oh what's going on you're going to feel impacted by that you're going to be confused why it's not working Mm -hmm. I mean I was a sales manager for like fucking like eight years or I became a manager later but I've been a sales professional for 10 years Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the same thing that goes with sales. There are people who are naturally good at sales and there's people who want to be good at sales. And I'll tell you what, the people who are not as good at sales, they put like a hundred times more work in and their results are still not as good as the people who are good at sales because you can't teach, you You have to be comfortable chatting with someone and kind yep. of pressuring someone to do something when they don't want to yep. in a smooth way that doesn't feel pressury. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. And if that's not natural to you, I've, I've said it to my sales team. I was like, Guys, I love you and I know you want to be good at this job, but like, have you considered that you don't fucking like sales? Because that's okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and one an of option. my key, one of my guys quit and he was like, I just don't think I like sales. And I was like, I don't think you do either. Get yeah, out of here. Totally. Dude. It was Go the get same a job thing. that's peaceful. Exactly. Like, find your peace, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> my brother and Grace. It was the same thing with PR. When I went into PR, I was like, I don't like pressuring people. This isn't natural to me. Yeah. I don't want to sell people on anything. It's kind of salesy, right? Like it's media sales it almost. And it's it's something that may or may not come naturally. Same thing See, with being I on camera. I love selling. I yeah. love, like, I love, like, I will pitch you on anything, but it's got to be shit that I care about. That's how I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, if I'm hyped on something, everyone's going to know why, about it. Right now, what I do is wonderful because I yeah. will talk for hours about anything I like. But when I was in sales, I was like, I'm going to be real. Do I give a fuck about this technology? Right. No. And do I care if the company makes more money? Also, no. For, for sure, sure, no. no. <laughs> for like, sure, no. <laughs> but getting like you know talking about pears pickpockets or like yeah. you know this new beta alpha peel from Dr. Dennis Gross that yeah. makes your skin look brand new. Hell yeah, we got to talk about that. Absolutely, like the people got to know. You <laughs> the know? people need to know. I'm like, ask me one question about astrology. <laughs> yeah, no, for, no, I dare you. Hit me with the astrology. <laughs> I dare you hit me with a you know micro question. You want to know something crazy? Back when Always. I was in Boston working at, I was like in one of my last sales jobs. I had a friend that I worked with, and I. I would not take my job seriously. I'd be in the middle of like like updating my resume and my website at my desk. I was such, but I would still hit my sales goals, dude. So yeah, it doesn't matter. And I would pull her aside and I was like, I was like, I need you to be my sounding board for what I'm going to do with my life. And I remember having this chat with her where I was like, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge about very separate things and I need to like be this person who like has the stuff. Cause I was like, what's my niche going to be? And I was like, I don't have one. And I was saying to her, I was like, 
what I wasn't, what I was like theorizing is this hypothetical thing that didn't exist. What I was theorizing was fucking TikTok. I was saying to her, I have a lot of information about random topics that I really want to be the go-to person for, but I don't know how to like, how do you categorize that? But that's what I want to do. And she was like, I agree. You have like the knowledge about random stuff. And then it's so funny that that's what I do now because TikTok was built for that. I love that you brought this up because this is a question I actually wanted to ask. One of my favorite things about you as a content creator is you haven't pigeonholed yourself into a niche. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest fears, like as a, a podcaster, content creator, like we have very similar, like, diversity of passions, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think so many people hear from marketers, from, you know, experts in social media, et cetera, like, oh, you have to pick a niche and like really like label and brand yourself within that niche. And you have proven like the opposite can be true. Basically, when I started talking about Paris, that's when like things popped off. Turns out a lot of people are super interested in Paris. And then Emily in Paris came out and it took the world by storm, right? Mm-hmm. So that is cool. And it's annoying that if I don't talk about Paris, sometimes my content doesn't do as well. But sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. And my first viral video was not even about Paris. It was about this this concept that I came up with because I'm a genius. Sorry, I'm super (laughs) humble. Um, It was this concept that if you notice someone is apologizing to you for something that you don't give a fuck about, what they're actually doing, and they don't even realize they're doing this, they're apologizing to you because they hate it when people do it to them. So Uh if you have, I have a friend, Victor, shout out to Victor, most beautiful man and my best friend that I love in the entire world. Victor used to always apologize to me for interrupting. And I was like, babe, I don't care. And then I was like, (laughs) oh my God, he fucking doesn't like being interrupted. And I always apologize to people when I make them wait for me Mm -hmm. because I hate waiting for other people. people. And this is like something, if you want to be a good friend, if you notice that your friend keeps apologizing for something that you don't care about, keep in mind they care about it. So Mm -hmm. don't do that to them. That was my first viral video. And I have words of wisdom that I want to share and other topics that I care about. And so I know that when I talk about Paris, it goes viral, but I just, you're not going to tell me what my content is. Like I I refuse. So I've just (laughs) been battling it constantly. And like, I honestly have several videos that are like well in the millions that are not related to Paris whatsoever. Like skincare. Skincare, but like life advice stuff about like, you know, I, my video that I, where I talked about my relationship with my mom, that's got like like 4 million views or something like vinted, (laughs) vinted, like techno music. Like I, but for me, I genuinely want to talk about everything. And I was actually analyzing my own stuff lately because I was looking at Victoria Paris and she really is a lifestyle influ- or a content mm-hmm. creator. That bitch posts about whatever she wants and it blows up and she doesn't have that many more followers than me, but every one of her videos blows up and I was like, I'm trying to get there because right now, even though I have as many followers as I do, the videos that talk about Paris blow up and the ones that aren't necessarily about Paris don't, but I'm just going to keep doing it because I know it, yeah. that like eventually it's going to work because yeah. I know, I know for a fact I'm entertaining on camera. I know for a fact my life is interesting enough. Like I'm I'm going, my life is like a circus sometimes, right? (laughs) So I'm like, I just have to like get onto the right people. And I'm hoping that that eventually will happen because I want like the freedom to talk about what I want. Yeah. But I also like, it's like, I don't ignore my roots. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be like, uh, I'm not, I'm not talking about Paris anymore. Like, no, I do love Paris and people come to me for that. And so I, I, it's kind of like, I have, I feel like I have an obligation to continue with what I started with because that's what people want from me. Yeah. But I'm also going to continuously throw in the stuff that I want until it works and I know it will. Yeah. You just sometimes got to force their hand a little bit. Yeah. That reminds me when I was in middle school, high heels were against the dress code, but I was like, but I like them and I like fashion. So I just kept wearing them and I would keep getting sent to the principal's office and then he would eventually be like, Jesus Christ. Like, 
Middle. And I'm like, well, I'm just not going to not wear them. And of course like, you were wearing heels in high school. <laughs> know, you cracked me up. Middle school. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's like 12, 13. And I was like, but fashion, like it goes with the outfit better. And eventually he was like, okay, just like don't hurt people with them. And I was like, okay. Oh, are they afraid this is going to be a weapon? No, literally. I was like, do you think I'm going to like stab a boy with my high heels? And like, maybe they did. We have pencils and pens, dude. Like there's more weapony things available. Yeah, I think American schools have uh, bigger fish to fry yeah, than my for shoes. Real, for real. Anyway, they changed the dress code the next year. Yep. Good so, for you. Thank you. Sometimes you. you just got to stick to your guns. Yeah, I agree completely. Force, force the issue. So I do really appreciate how you are a great example of how you really don't have to narrow yourself into one particular niche. And you've been successful at it because even when you were doing it halftime, you got to half a million. You do it full time, you get to a full million. Yeah. That actually brings me, <laughs> segueing but, myself right on in, to your favorite moments between half a million and a million. A lot of crazy shit has happened. Oh, God, yeah, I don't even know. Like, you've been working with the embassy. Yeah. The Olympics. So, Typology is the, it's the biggest online um, retailer in France for skincare, which is Mm -hmm. huge. It's beautiful. It's sleek. She's sexy. She's luxury. When I started working with Typology, I was like, oh, my God, I am so cool. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the coolest thing. And then when they said to me, we want to offer you an annual contract, I passed away. I was like, oh. (laughs) I simply died. (laughs) Because also money, consistent money is scary as an influencer. So an annual contract, that saves my ass. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? No, 100%. So working with Typology is in such an honor because I love their products. I Their CEO is my best friend. I mean, he wrote me a birthday card, so I assume that we're best <laughs> friends. Um, I just love him. I love I love everything that they believe in. I love the people that work there. The products are beautiful. So like being the face of Typology makes me feel so cool. Like yeah. I'm like, that is amazing. That's like an honor. And I made it moment. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, let me think what else. Obviously, working with the Olympics. I mean, that was a huge one on my to-do list. And the mm-hmm. fact that it happened, like if you go to the Olympics literal Instagram page, there's my face. Like yeah, that is so, so cool. sick. <laughs> and I'm working with them more in the future too. So that's huge for me. Cool. Um, working with the US embassy here in France and as well as the French embassy in the US is super cool. I never thought that I would work with government, especially because like I'm not a government type of gal. A government girly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's super cool to work with them and like the opportunities that I've had with them, the the networking, the people that I've met, I just keep getting closer and closer to meeting Macron, frankly, which yeah. is a huge objective of mine. That's number one on the yeah. priority list. Dude, Oracles. Oracles, who's my favorite yeah. musician in the entire world on planet Earth. Oracles is so important to me. And yeah, we were friends on the internet via me being a fan. But when I messaged him and I said, I'm a TikToker, let me help you with your TikTok. And he was like, sure, let's set up a call. Do you want to go on tour with us? You have to understand my favorite artist in the world was like, you want to go on tour with me? And I was like, yeah. So then I went on tour with Sobs. him. So I'm, I'm getting to work with my favorite musician in the whole world. I'm on tour with them. And I made so many amazing friends that I'm still friends with today. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me in the music world. And music is like, I don't even think I realized how important music was to me until I like really like analyzed it. And I'm like, music is like one of my big three, like mm-hmm. for real. So now because of that, you know, having worked in the music industry, worked with him, I've gotten to meet other musicians and so now I'm, you know, I'm like friends with Vladimir Koshmar and I'm, I worked with Fisher's, uh, what's it called? Fisher's Festival in Malta, Trip Fest. I've worked with their team. Mm-hmm. Tomorrowland just invited me to go to Tomorrowland. I don't know if I can because like my body can't do it anymore. But <laughs> Music video with Esther too. The Amelie. Oh yeah. Like I, oh my God. Like, so Oracle's fiance, Esther Abrami, who is the most beautiful, talented, 
sweetest violinist on planet earth. I worked with her. So like my, this has opened up me to working with the music industry, which I care so much about, but I'm working with the music industry in a way where like, I'm, I'm kind of adjacent. Mm -hmm. Like I help out here and there, maybe get me on stage sometimes behind the <laughs> DJ booth, but like, I'm not, it's not becoming work. Cause yeah. I don't want the things I love to become work. So good. So yeah. honest. And then like now I'm being invited by like, I'm working with Acre Arena. I'm working with La Stade de France or Le, Le Stadium La Défense. It's really working out for your friends. <laughs> no, yeah. Like I got to bring all my girlfriends to a concert at Acre Arena because they invited me because they're so sweet. So now I'm getting invited. Honestly, when I first started with this, I was like, I just want to get invited to the cool stuff. I just mm -hmm. want to be gifted cool things and get invited to the cool stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like the fact that that's beginning to happen is so much fun. And the thing is, I'm thrilled to make content about this stuff because I make content about it anyway. You're sharing your life. So you might as well have me on, like I'll talk about music, but if you bring me to the music, I'll talk about it more. Exactly. And my favorite is when I'm making content because I love it, not because I'm paid, not because there's a contract. Yep. Obviously, sometimes there has to be money involved, especially because, you know, it, what I do is valuable. Mm -hmm. But it's really fun when it just works out that way. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Organically sharing the stuff you love with the world. Yeah, and that's yeah. the other thing. I say this all the time. If your opinion only comes attached with a price tag, then your opinion loses its value. Yeah, it's worthless. And I have friends who are content creators that won't talk about a brand or product unless they're paid for it. And I'm like, I hear you, but... It, you're, like, it means that on, the only things you talk about are ones that you are paid for. Mm -hmm. I do free advertising for, like, honestly, it's like it's insane how much free content and free advertising I give to brands, but it's because I genuinely love them. Totally. But I feel like when they work with someone like me, it's in their best interest because they know that I actually care about it. So that way I will be able to create a video that is going to be authentic because I'm not scripted. Yep. That's another thing. I don't use scripts and you, you like, you know this. <laughs> every time I meet up with another content creator, every, dude, every time, they're like, where's the script? And I was like, in What's my script? head. <laughs> And like, if it's not written down for a lot of these guys, it doesn't exist. Like they're like, oh man, I wrote a hot script. And I was like, what? Okay. You're <laughs> like, I'm not a theater major, but thanks. <laughs> no, but like, it's just, it's funny to me. Like, cause I, I'm starting to realize that most people use scripts and I just, I don't. Yeah. I, I can't see you ever using a script. Like I might like, I might like have like bullet points. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, it's, I don't use scripts typically. I mean, I think you being unscripted is part of your brand. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, that's part of your authenticity. I mean, not that a script can't be authentic. Like, I right. don't want, you know, to dismiss no, of anyone course, who of has course. that. But I think that is just part of your, like, I don't know, the vibe is that you're FaceTiming your friends. Yeah, and when I, when I read off of a script, it doesn't feel as good or natural. Like, I, mm -hmm. I just, it's got, speaking is, like, my biggest strength. I can talk about anything. And, like, the ideas, there's no pause. The ideas come to me and I can just say them. Yep. So, like, I'm good on my feet, I guess. So, like, scripting, like, slows me down, actually. And then right. it sounds fake and I'm not happy with it. And I'd rather just talk, like, from the heart. Yeah. That's, like, Morgan is always sending me briefs for typology. And she's like, did you read the brief? And I'm like, you know, I didn't. Nah. <laughs> no, but I'm kidding. I obviously pull it up and I'm like, they want me to say this and this. But then I'm just going to go. And you have talking points. That's way yeah, better than Exactly. Yeah, that's way, way better. Like if I'm ever doing a voiceover for something, I don't like having a script because like you, I yeah. want it to just flow, but sometimes I'll need the talking points just to make sure I'm fitting every, yeah, everything yeah, into yeah. like 30 or 60 seconds, whatever it ends up being. I'll, I'll like write down a few words. I'm like, don't make sure, like make sure you don't forget this part. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think like the takeaway, if anyone listening is a content creator or wants to get into this is like, find what works for you. Like maybe the formula that works for a lot of people doesn't work for you and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, and something that I will say, because we were talking about like, you know, having a niche or not mm -hmm. having a niche, I will say the people that find a format and repeat it, like Alex and Tom, they do these skits. Yep. It works for them. Totally. It really works for them. And I feel like if you're trying to grow quickly, and honestly, sometimes it, it is quite marketable, mm -hmm. depending on what the format is, right? There some, are a lot of benefits to having a niche. Some formats <laughs> don't leave room for you to then work with a brand. Like, you got to think that right. through, because if your format 
like, I don't know, like there's those guys who like dive into true crime stuff. Good for them. But like, wh- what kind of brand deal are you going to do? What do you, ha- wh- wh- how are you going to do that? It's not going to work. Yeah. But like, if you have a format, it is repeatable and you can do it. But the only thing is you can't not do that. You can never stray away. That's yeah. what your format is now. That's terrifying and to me. And it's a little risky. It's a little risky. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like these creators who have like series almost. Like I do my, um, what did I call it? What's my, what's my American name? The dumb, Katie. Katie. I, sometimes I do skits Katie with Katie. and the Beret. <laughs> yeah. Katie, Katie in Paris, right? Yeah. Which is like a dumb American. Yeah. I throw those out every now and then, but then I've got my like in the bathroom getting ready. And then I've got my on the street. Like mm-hmm. I have different versions and like, I think it's good. Justice to, Amanda, like pickpocket yeah, police. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's good to like give yourself multiple because if you have only one forever, you can't really stray from that because people yeah. want consistency. See, that's actually from my editorial perspective, genius because you know if you were a magazine reader like dating us a little bit but like if you had magazines right magazines have columns yeah Ma- those are like the series right yeah. like every month you know you're going to get like a beauty section and a fitness section like that's how storytelling in like mainstream media has worked for a long time mm-hmm. so if you give yourself those kind of series and categories you have range while still sort of staying within like parameters that keep you marketable yeah 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 yeah, I agree. For sure, for sure. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> so speaking of doing this full-time, you are constantly putting out content. Like you said, sometimes three, four a day, right? Five, six a day. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay, yeah. So so that, that. One of our listeners had a question about how you either get over or manage the feeling like you have to record your whole life. Like you don't have like a boundary between, I feel like for you, I already I know the answer. Like I, I'm to, like, I already know the yeah, answer. Let's yeah. just, sorry. No, I'll let you answer. <laughs> um, like you don't have to filter anything out. Like you, this is just natural to you. Yeah, like, I'm not thinking about that at all. Yeah. When I have stuff to say, I say you it. Say and it. when I don't, I don't. Yep. Like, and for me, I love sharing my life. Mm-hmm. I love sharing experiences that can be helpful for other people. That makes me so happy. So yeah. the idea will strike me and I'll be like, I want to share this. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, oh, the thing is people often like, I'm, I'm very extroverted and it seems like I share my whole life. Babe, I'm a Scorpio. There are layers to there's this secrets. pie that you will never get. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like the secrets. Yeah, there's no, it's, there's the secrets are extensive and like you have no idea. So it might appear that I share my whole life, but like yeah. aggressively not, aggressively right. not. I just share what I'm happy to share. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens, I think the things that I'm comfortable sharing are maybe more than what most people are comfortable sharing. That's true. Yeah. But, like I haven't dragged my ex-boyfriend through the mud on the internet. I thought about <laughs> it, but I haven't because some things are left for, you know, me. Between you and God. Between me and God, you know? Yeah. In the group chat. In the group chat. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. Me, God, in the group chat. Right, right, right. For real. No, but um, for real. So, but, yeah, you have a really good, I think, balance um, where if it's not something that you want to go on the internet, it doesn't go on the internet. You don't feel pressure. I feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very neutral place to be. And I think that neutrality or, like, equanimity, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is very healthy because, like, in social media, there are there can be really high highs and really low lows which obviously like you're very familiar with, like people can be awful. Oh my God. People like fucking just real quick. Like if you're someone who just like uses TikTok to watch or like, you're not like, you're not filming content. Cause it's only people who don't film content that leave the rude comments. Like there is a person on the other side of the phone and I don't care how big they are. They're going to see your comment. And like, where do you get off? I don't like you are dealing with people and your words have consequences. And first of all, you are exposing yourself as a piece of shit. Cause people will see that yeah. the things that I've been told are so out of pocket and it, yeah. like, they don't really affect me because you're, I don't believe that that person is a, like a legitimate person basically, yeah. but it's just, it's crazy. It's literally, it's, it, it makes me sad. Like what, what is up with people? Like, I think I, it bums me out about like the human species. The to human be existence. Yeah. I mean, it's that phrase like hurt people, hurt people, right? Oh, for sure. So 
there is like that concept where you can like sort of understand or like have empathy for someone just like being a jerk. But at the same time, when you're inundated with a bunch of people just being jerks and like dumb jerks at that, like really dumb comments, that sort of makes me think like this is not a field for everyone. Like you have a very thick skin. Yeah. As sensitive as you are, like as a person, like you have a really high tolerance for other people's BS. I think that's a big skill to have. I mean, it took me a long time to get as confident as I am, but now... I'm sorry, nobody's opinion about me matters except my own. And I hold myself to a very high standard. If Mm -hmm. I'm not happy with myself, that's serious and we make changes. And if I am happy with myself, then you can kiss my ass. Like I, Mm -hmm. have you seen that meme where it's like a bunch of people and there's one guy sitting in front of them and he goes, yes, you're all wrong. (laughs) I was like, that is so fucking me. You know what I mean? Like if, like, if, like, cause at the end of the day, if I can look myself in the mirror and say like, I'm content with what we did. And it's not, this isn't coming from a place of like, like, uh, megalomania. Yeah, but like not, it's not, it's not like, like I do have a high opinion of myself, but not in like a, I know everything. It's like, I'm constantly being like, hey, you're wrong. You can grow. You should change your mind. And Mm -hmm. when I get proven wrong, I am the first to admit like, yo, I was wrong. Thank you for telling me. But like when I'm like, no, 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 you did like, hey, I'm, I like thought it over and like, I'm content. Like I stand by what I said or what I did. And like comments from people don't, they just, they mean nothing to me. I've even, I've even watched you when no one has said anything to you about some kind of like self-improvement or thing that might've been like, quote unquote wrong. You find that something you did was maybe wrong and then like autocorrect. Like no yeah, one even has yeah, yeah. to tell you, I've watched you do it. Really? It's like, yeah. Ooh, fun. It's like an interesting experience to observe. <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah, I auto, but because I autocorrect, that means like I trust myself to keep it in line. Yeah. So like obviously my the people I care about are people whose opinions I respect, their opinion matters to me, but right. strangers on the internet, not so much. That's a really good piece of quality advice. I would say to anyone interacting on the internet. You don't have to be a content creator to encounter bullies or just cruel, mean people on the internet. There are negative people all the time and I've encountered them as a journalist and, you know, just being expect online. it. Like they're gonna be there. Like they're always gonna be there. It doesn't matter how likable you are, how good your content is, how special your story is. It doesn't matter. People are gonna find ways to be mean and uh, developing a tolerance to that is really important and not taking their opinion seriously. Yeah. Their opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, after I film a video, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm like, I stand by that. And I post it. Yeah. Some people have problems with it. I'm like, I don't know, man, we checked it off. Like we gave the okay. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. So I filmed the the TV show, the French TV show. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not. Ugh, whatever. Okay. Oh, whatever. It's a French TV show. You'll see it. It's going to come out in October. I haven't seen how they edited me yet though. Right. Right. And I'm the only American out of all French people. And I'm speaking in French the whole time and like whatever. And I'm already like, there's going to be so many haters. I know there are, mm-hmm. but... I'm prepared for it. It's fine. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Their opinion of you doesn't matter. Yeah, but like I'm like, but like I'm already like, there's going to be mean stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, like, I'm not surprised at all. And I feel like you you can't you can't be Pikachu face when mean comments happen. <laughs> like, they're coming. They're always gonna come. Of course. Sometimes they I really am Pikachu face. <laughs> <laughs> that feels a little on brand for me, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who me? Yeah. <laughs> you don't like me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's shocking. Oh, shocking. Another listener question on this topic of like being in content creation, being in the quote unquote influencer space. How do you see this type of career? This field, both sustaining and evolving over the years? I think long-form content is going to become a much bigger thing, especially with the recent Risa Tisa, Who the Fuck Did I Marry series. Mm -hmm. She used 10-minute videos on every episode, and there's 50 episodes, and the entire world has watched. And I have been posting nine, 10 minute videos from fucking the minute they gave me that, the, the minute option. I had that option. Like I, I can talk. Libra until, Mercury is like Libra mercury so hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can talk forever. And um, so I think long-form content is going to certainly take over. I mean, influencers as a concept, 
people are always like, influencers are dying. And I'm like, they're not because you mm-hmm. need us. But mm-hmm. I think the way you influence, I think, I mean, we've already seen it. The more authentic, like, real content, people who um, actually give their opinions and honestly sprinkled in with their real opinions and not always just brand deals. I think that's going to, I mean, that's already been on the rise, but I feel like it's going to continue being on the rise. I think brands are going to lean more on content creators and like UGC and like individuals than there's big marketing campaigns because just nobody fucking cares. Like people, like if you go to some of the top brands, look at how many followers they have. They've got like 30K followers. Yeah, it's so true. Like I sent my, I sent Jordan the screenshot of Otakos and he was like, but don't you have more followers than them? And I was like, yeah, Jordan, a lot more. But like, like, that's that's normal though, because like brands... I mean, unless you're like Ryanair or Duolingo who are killing it. I love There's Duolingo. not like, like unless your brand is silly, goofy, like no one cares. Like traditional yeah. marketing is not, traditional advertising doesn't work well, the way it used to. Your examples, Ryanair and Duolingo are acting like people exactly. on the internet. Exactly. They're not acting like brands and that's, people don't want to follow brands. People don't want to follow an Nobody ad all the time. Nobody wants to be sold anything ever. No one wants to watch ever. ads. Like what's the first thing you try to skip when you watch a YouTube video? Yep. The ads. And dude, influencers and content creators are being invited to the same events that celebrities are. I think celebrities are dying out. Like their their endorsement, like there's less celebrity endorsements and more content creator, influencer endorsements. Authentic endorsements. Especially yeah. because if you have someone that you know and you trust and they can, I've seen some ads that I'm like, this is a fucking work of art and they're still doing their same humor and you know, cause like, I know it's an ad, you know it's an ad. Everyone knows people gotta get paid. No one cares, but you see how they did it and it's so funny and they'll put like inside jokes in and it's just yeah. so like on brand for this time period yep. that like that is beautiful and you have to, I'm like. It's art. <laughs> really, like there's this one creator that I love. He's a friend of mine. We've done videos together. It's a French guy. He did this video with this condom brand and it's so funny that you I was like, I'm this. not even having sex, but I'm gonna go buy some of these condoms <laughs> like because of you. Like, cause it's so funny. Do you know what I mean? I love that so much. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that you brought up the long form content thing too, because like one of my frustrations as a writer is that everything had to be like short attention span, make it shorter, 500, 700 words, keep it under a thousand. And there are these really beautiful, like complex stories, nuanced topics that require so much more and there's not been room for it. So it's interesting. People want to dive in, I think. Right? Like I, I mean, you and me, obviously like love a deep dive, but to see that other people are engaging with that as well is really promising. And it also says a lot about like the opposite of like, oh, we only have the attention span of a goldfish. Like, no, no we don't. No, we Some don't. of us are going like on deep rabbit hole spirals. Yep. Like, Dude, you know what I was thinking? Because talking comes naturally to me. I love writing, but like it's a different, it's a different, different art form. Yeah. After seeing the Risa Tisa thing, I was like, what if I did my book Audiobook style? Like, no, like, they just Chris, exactly how exa- she did Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She, I like, that's an audiobook. I like, she just spoke it. I thought about it. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because uh, uh, then, like, some of this, some of this stuff in my book is kind of, you know, like, uh, like a bit, it's a, it's not, it's deep. It's, yeah. it's, and by deep, I mean deep in my secrets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, but then my face would be associated with it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought Practice, about it. And I was I like, you it. could, I was like, I mean, talking comes, you're always saying that, like, talking comes naturally to you. Like, what mm-hmm. if you just, like, talked her out and then we just download the script and there's the book <laughs> we're doing it live full send right like, yeah right? i don't, no, know, I don't like know. Actually, we'll see we'll see but like it could be worth experimenting with yeah yeah i support it so book audiobook coming soon from amanda yeah <laughs> so sort of pivoting a tiny bit away from influencer stuff and back into paris not to like pull us back in but what is something that you think is kind of underrated about paris something awesome that maybe doesn't get enough attention or love or credit our metro system is really good. Yeah. Our metro system is really good. Like, pe- we bitch about it all the time, but totally. like, people love bitching. I, I fucking love French bitching. French people I love, love it. complaining. But yeah. Honestly, like, it sh- the train shows up on time mm-hmm. and it runs pretty late until like 1, 1.30. It's 
honestly pretty clean. There's, you know, you've got your random, like, occasional, like, homeless person or pickpocketing. But for the most part, the metro system is, like, reliable, which Clockwork. is pretty cool. I don't know. Well, let me think. Do you have ideas? Um, no, me. I mean, that's a really good niche, like, underrated one that we, like, do complain about. But at the same time, like, the last time I took a metro consistently was in... Uh, San Francisco and it was awful I would get stuck underground for forever yeah and the Boston metro like it's often late or very 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 crowded like the Paris metro yeah of course there's moments where it's crowded but I feel like it's pretty good Paris does a lot they care a lot about culture Mm -hmm. and they especially care a lot about the younger generation and there is this techno DJ named Laurent Laurent Gagné He's older now. He's if you see if you get the chance to see him live, he's so great still. He is like the daddy of techno and because of him and the work that he did, he basically lobbied for Paris to like open up the to the techno world, to like oh. to create space for the techno world and to create events and like let people have these events. So whenever you see like an open air situation in Paris, which is all the, like the music scene here is incredible, Paris often puts on I went to a um, a rave at Palais Royal a rave. That's Paris, so the city of Paris put on a fucking rave. Yeah. All of this is because of the work that Laurent Gagné did to like from like lobby Bring that for this. form of arts. So like the city yeah. of Paris, like for example, Fête de la Musique, yeah. the whole, I'm sorry, this would never fly in the US ever, ever, ever. The whole city is like, yeah, you can just fucking rave in the streets mm-hmm. from sunup until sundown on June 21st every year Walking and there's no alcohol. rules. Yeah. Literally crowds and everyone's wasted and the mm-hmm. open, first of all, the open container laws, you can drink anywhere that you want in Paris all the time. That's amazing. But that would never fly in the US. They're like, yeah, we're just going to let the whole city have a party. Yeah. Like YOLO. <laughs> there's no one there's no one checking IDs there's no one checking how many drinks you've had no but guess what nothing happens nobody dies it, yeah. but like the city of Paris is down for that we have the techno parade every year which is in September whereas it's just a techno parade it's exactly what it sounds like and it goes through the whole city and everyone's <laughs> wasted and nobody cares the police are there to just like watch but like make sure or, no one dies <laughs> for example when 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 the when we are playing a game and we win you're allowed to riot. They literally yeah. are like, go riot it like, up, baby. Yeah, get it out. And like, then they <laughs> shut it down at a certain point in time. So like when we right. were, won the World Cup in 2018, it was anarchy in the streets. It was my happiest day in Paris. I think, <laughs> I wish I could relive it, dude. It was the happiest day of my life in yeah. Paris. And then around like midnight, they were like, okay, you've had enough. That's and enough. they <laughs> quietly, respectfully tear gas us away. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> but like they really let it go until midnight, man. Like that was really like- respectful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but like, do you get what I mean? But they're like, with all due respect, tear gas. <laughs> no, but like, but like they really let it go until midnight, and then yeah. they're like, okay, like you're done. <laughs> all right, that's enough. <laughs> but like that would never happen in any other country, dude. No. Ever. Oh my god, that's so good. It also <laughs> just reminded me. Hopefully, we won't get tear gassed out of it. But the the rave at Versailles, like, oh my god, yeah, we're going to a rave at Versailles. Like, we, welcome into this fucking historical monument, one of the most famous <laughs> in the world, and you can just party it up and they know what we're doing yeah. they're like yeah get, get wild we don't care <laughs> get buck wild in your 18th century <laughs> yeah like the, like it's just they really really care about people having the appreciation for culture for art for music but yeah. especially for young people to be able to express themselves in that way yeah any like um there's often open air parties on the Seine. like mm-hmm. a guy will just show up with a dj booth my friends used to throw metro parties Metro parties. You meet at this metro. They always did the line nine because it's the longest line. You yeah. start at one end and they all just pile into the metro. So RIP if you're trying to take the metro. Yeah. But like from I'm like always 10, taking the nine. <laughs> right from like 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. They've they've just occupied like two or three carts, raving, raving. Did the police come? No, they didn't come. Like because nobody cares. It's like. Yeah. 
Um, also, I was told that like if you try to complain about noise on a Friday, Saturday night, the police will say you're a problem, dude, for living in the center of Paris because yeah. they're like, yeah, well, people are people have il faut il faut profiter. Yeah. The kids want to have fun. You gotta let them have fun. I yeah. just fucking love it. It's incredible and not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> it's not the it, because it didn't occur to me, but the more and more I thought about it, I was yeah. like, that would never fly anywhere else. Yeah. Vive la France. <laughs> no, you know what it was? Because I was speaking to someone yesterday. I think it was an American. We were talking about La Folie Douce in uh, Mirabel, where I was. And they were like, that would never happen in the U.S. And I was like, you're right. It's literally so an outdoor rave. Again, no one's checking IDs. Yeah. We're just like that. And no one. And because in the U.S., they're so serious about alcohol consumption. You're cut off. Blah, blah, blah. Cutting off. Bitch, we don't cut off over here. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> happen. Does not happen. <laughs> that also reminds me, there is a party coming up. This month. Oh, yeah. To celebrate something really special on yeah, March 16th. Yeah, yeah, Do you want to talk it. about it? Yeah, so I'm throwing a party um, for achieving 1 million followers on TikTok. Woo! <laughs> so I rented out a place. I can tell people now. It's at Kerala Photo, which is a giant ass peniche. You get all the. Like, peniche. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge. It's going to be a boat party, but the boat's not moving. Don't worry. It's actually white near um, Wanderlust, which is. Mm, a club in Paris that I like. Eh, On the fence about? Yeah, you could get robbed there, but... Ooh, okay. Good but, time, might get robbed. But TVH, we might go there for the after party, so I can't <laughs> talk too much shit about it. Okay. It's fine. But, um, and no, there's, and then there's um, Cafe Oz upstairs. Cafe Oz is better than Wanderlust. Anyways, okay. so the Peniche is right there. It's huge. Rented the whole place out. It's going to be Trivatis, so it's going to be my party. Tickets go on sale, I think, in like two days. I'm just waiting to get the event link. And your ticket includes a drink, and there's going to be a cool DJ and a lot of cool guests. Like, I, you know, I, I invited Esther, I invited, like, a lot of other content creators I invited, but a lot of my friends I invited. And it's for my followers. So, because my followers have always been like, you know, how can we meet you? And I was like, I'm going to throw a party. And I was like, when I get to a million, I'll do it. So, I have a capacity, unfortunately, so I can only sell 300 tickets, which bums me out, but... <laughs> Those 300 it people. bums me out that it can't be a thousand people. No, no but actually, really, but I know I'm not. The thing is, I have one million followers, but I don't have one million follower money yet. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> I have a million followers, not a million dollars. Yeah, like we're not like I'm not Drake rich yet. I'm working on it. The yet is the important part. But yeah. here's my big question about this party: um, Is Otaco's catering? I need to ask them. That's like a pretty big ask, but like I, I mean, is should, it though? Right? Because like you've given them already. Like in my professional opinion, like tens of thousands of dollars of yeah. marketing for free. I should ask them if they have like an Otaco's truck and they should roll up and like we mm -hmm. should work that out. That would be so cool. We need to also explain what Otaco's is for the Americans listening. Oh, French tacos. So Otaco's <laughs> is a chain. It's like McDonald's, but for French tacos. And French tacos are basically a tortilla filled with a meat, whatever meat you want, French fries, a cheese sauce, and then like what other stuff that you want to put in there. And then it's folded up like a panini and like pressed. So I get um, ground beef, with mustard and ketchup, because it then is basically a cheeseburger <laughs> in a wrap, which I'm is like amazing. shivering, but yeah, I kind of want to try it. It's so good. It's literally so good. <laughs> I could like talk so much shit on and be like, oh, I'm in California, but um, I kind of want to try it. No, because people are always like, it's not a taco. I'm like, yeah, it's not. Get the fuck over it. They're it's, not. I don't know not why they call be. it that, but they're, they're not. They're not pretending to be a Mexican taco. It's just what they call it. <laughs> It's so good, though. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, maybe that will convince someone listening to move to France because they're French tacos. Yeah, French tacos are really good. It's just like the perfect drunk food, especially because it's yeah. in its own casing, so like it's not messy. Yeah. So, on that note of <laughs> French culture, <laughs> yeah, when you were convincing me to move here, which like obviously didn't take a whole lot yeah. of arm twisting, 
<laughs> but your advice was to read The Alchemist, like we talked about. I did that immediately. But besides that, if anyone listening right now is like, all right, this sounds like a fun time, like Fête de la Musique, yeah. like the, the World Cup, like riding until you get tear gassed, like <laughs> Versailles parties, yeah. a cool metro, arts and culture, hot girl central. Like, this sounds amazing, but like, I don't know, it seems impossible. Like, both of us had that moment, right? Yeah, Where yeah. I was like, no, that seems impossible. What's what's your advice I mean, to it's not impossible. List out why you think it's impossible, and I promise you there's an answer. It, the, I was, I have ADHD, Adderall's not allowed in France. And I was like, I cannot literally move to another country unmedicated, because when I got medicated, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I almost didn't come to France for that. And then I found a solution, because they do have Ritalin over here, which is not the same. Right. But Adderall is addictive, because it's meth. Let's be fucking for real right now. Diet Adderall meth. is meth. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. Like, almost better meth, actually. Like, <laughs> like pharmaceutical meth. There is a come down period. There is like, um, you think it's not addictive. Be so fucking for you right now. Yes, it is. There is a, there is a withdrawal. It's probably about two weeks. You're going to be starving and tired and you're going to hate your life, but then it gets better. And the cool thing about what we do have for medication over here is that Ritalin is non-addictive. So I cannot take it on a day if I want, like it is non-addictive. It is available here. It is covered by security social. You're going to have to find a psychiatrist who will prescribe it for you. But there's an option. So whatever you're, whatever you're, uh, it's impossible. That's not true. And you know, it isn't. So I would mm-hmm. say list them all down. And then if, if, if I said to you, you have one hour to find out how there's a solution to each of these or you die, I'm pretty sure you could figure it out. And if you want to move here, you're like, you're, you, it, I, there's always a reason to stay. There's oh you can always find when to stay, but like why are you really focused on that? It's because it's scary and you don't know if it's gonna be a good time. You just gotta have faith in yourself and you gotta have faith in all the people that are telling you that it's gonna be a good time. Just like what she was saying, jumping off a cliff. I know it's scary, but if there's 10 people in the water looking up at you and being like, do it, it's the most fun ever. They're not lying. Like I'm not being paid to tell you. I don't care if you move to Paris or not. Frankly, we have too many Americans here. <laughs> but like if you wanna do it, I know the feeling of what it feels like to do that, and it's the best feeling in the world. I feel like my second my life didn't even start until I moved here. I didn't like techno music until I moved here. I was a completely different person because turns out I don't belong in Boston. I belong here. So everything changed when I moved here. All these things just started happening. I like I, my dating life improved. My friend groups improved. My skincare routine improved. My diet improved. My like everything made sense here. And I was like, oh my God, if I didn't do this, I would have been so bummed out. Like that would be so disappointing. So if you're thinking about it, you already know you want to do it. So just do it. Just fucking do it. it. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah. So last question, Uh, and this is like based on my own personal experience. Do you feel more alive here? Yeah. I feel like I was a shell of a person in Boston. I was treadmilling, going to work every day. It was like, wake up, gym, work, come home, watch a movie or get drunk on the couch with my friend with wine, Mm -hmm. go out on the weekends. Like I was bored, so bored doing the same shit every day. My life didn't really have purpose. I, you know, when you live in your own country, it's easy to fall into a routine because there's nothing, you're not getting spiced up every day. Like you speak the language, you know how things work. There's like, you, you're you so comfortable. It's like as comfy as you can be that like the only way to spice up your life is to like maybe go on a weekend trip or something, <laughs> right? Your life just made me so happy. <laughs> but, but like you move to Paris, yeah. everything is going to spice up your life. Everything like, you, is different. You like there's, there's ups and downs. You have to relearn everything, which is kind of fun actually. Mm-hmm. You have new discussions with people. Like there's new shit to talk about. Like when I was living in Boston, what do we talk about? The Red Sox? Like there's nothing cool going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, but like I move here. There's a million times. To- like everything is all of a sudden interesting. Yep. It's like... I was just um, the other day with my friend's baby and I was saying it must be so cool to be her because everything she's seeing for the first time, like you show her a spoon and she's like, whoa, hell yeah, fuck is that? <laughs> like she is like, it's like she's on like a trip. Like everything is so cool to her because she's, everything she's is brand new. Baby, she she's just she's like on trip. mushrooms all the time. <laughs> And I was like, that's so fun to be her, right? 
Well, that's what it's like to move to Paris or to move to another country because I'm living on mushrooms all the time. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe <laughs> It's true. No, it's so true. But if you like, move... No, it's true. But like, if you're afraid of so active, everything yeah. is new. You're like, oh yeah. shit, their envelopes are different. Oh shit, their metro system is... Like, Literally, the tiniest Everything is things. new. And the thing is, because you're putting yourself in a situation where you're not comfortable, you're more alert, mm-hmm. you are more... Uh, you have a higher ability to change yourself. You're more receptive to change because you're you're in this like in-between state. In the US, you're kind of set in your ways. Everything's comfortable and it's easy to go on autopilot. You don't even think half the time. You move to another country, you have to think all the time because you don't know what's going on. And because you're like in this like jello state where you haven't firmed yet, like you're still kind of liquid, you are very moldable. So you can, like if you decide that you want to take on a new hobby or you decide you want to be this version of yourself, that is so much easier in a new country because you're already in this like movable state of mind yeah. do you get what I mean totally so yeah I feel more alive here I feel, but my life did not literally like I can like there's like there's like AP like or no B before BP BP and AP before Paris and after Paris <laughs> before times and the after like, times BP did not exist like yeah. she was not a real person yeah incredible yeah and a lot of what you're saying mirrors my own experience of just everything is so much more activated here yeah that it really does make you feel fo- fully alive yeah and what you were saying earlier like life is for living yeah this is it like 100 this is really it and even like i don't want to say even if you think you're happy to infer that like you're not happy like mm-hmm. i was very happy in california like very content right mm-hmm. F- loved where i lived like everything was good and i still feel that way about where i was but here it's like everything just got dialed up it's a up. different kind of happy yeah because it's a, there's a set of pride there's a sense of pride having achieved something really really difficult yeah like jumping off the cliff right yeah. like you get that rush like i just did that but it ne- but it's not even one rush cuz the rush never exactly. stops exactly it's like <laughs> fucking, i've been here 7 years it's people, a nonstop rush and a mushroom high. yeah people <laughs> always ask me does it get old and i'm like no yeah. literally lit- i can be having the worst day and i step outside and i'm immediately like you're in paris yep so after 7 years dude like it does not go away that's it's true. Does not go away. You watched me through your neighborhood the first day I got here, mm-hmm. and I looked at you. and I was like, "Does this get old? I feel like I'm just like a kid on Christmas, and like my eyes were bugging, yep. like smiling all goofy." And you were like, "No, it doesn't. No, get it old. doesn't get old. It yeah. does not get old." I was just looking around, like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like yeah. real. It's it's so yeah. It's I, so good. I looked at the buildings as I like walked outside of my house, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, just like staring at them, like, "Holy shit!" Like, how are Paris you here? is a living museum. It's so cool. It really <gasps> is. We should climb up the stairs. Let's it's do it. raining. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna close it out here because uh, Amanda lives. now has the uh, impulse to <laughs> climb up this weird little spiral no, staircase she has in my spiral garden. Spiral staircase next to her building. Yeah, it goes so ten floors high. Yeah. So, like so, I did it once when she wasn't here because I was just feeling crazy, <laughs> and then I was like, oh my god, I have to climb back down, and I like blacked out. Like we're gonna go do that. Yeah, so we're gonna do that in the rain and see if we can look at the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Okay, um, Amanda, I love you so much. Love you. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for gracing us with all of your wisdom. Of course. Uh, let's do this again sometime. Yep, yeah, you got it, sis. Happy one million. Thank you. Bye. Bisous. All right, y'all, pencil in March 16th to your calendar. If you're here in Paris, we will hyperlink to all the things you need in the episode description as per usual. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for being here. We're coming up on our second birthday this summer, and I am beyond grateful to have this incredible community. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share stories with you all, for giving me a platform here. I do not take it for granted. I am so, so grateful. If you're a new listener, hell yeah, brother. I'm so happy you're here too. It is a messy but fun time, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we've been enjoying it. 
If this wasn't enough content for you, fear not. I have even more to say. Shocking. <laughs> if you want more interviews, more Paris, more jokes, more astrology, more niche luxury, more fun, this is my official announcement of the newsletter for This Is Fine and all other things in the Dominique universe. My Substack just launched. Yes, I got on the bandwagon. We are calling it for now, <laughs> Dominique on Rose, for obvious reasons. It will be a home base for my different forms of content, all delivered neatly to your inbox so you can stay up to date with all the fun happenings over here without having to search for them all over the place. Up next, we've got some astrology content, solo episodes from me, more Americans in Paris, some environmental content, a new topic for us, and so, so much more. So don't forget to subscribe. And again, if you could leave us a five-star review, that would mean so much to Dan and me. Thank you so much in advance. All right, this was a long episode, so I'll let you go now. I love you all so much. Je vous aime beaucoup. We'll see you here next week. A bientôt. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Putty. Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download the transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. 